You're listening to Crossings Conversations from Church Divinity School of the Pacific, a show about leaders creating Christian community and sharing God's love. This is Kyle Oliver, Communications and Marketing Manager at Church Divinity School of the Pacific, and I'm here with the Right Reverend Gretchen Reberg of the Diocese of Spokane. Bishop Gretchen, thanks so much for being with us. Happy to be with you, Kyle. So uh, this is a conversation about uh, leadership formation in the Episcopal Church. And uh, to start, uh, we were wondering uh, in your time as bishop, if there's um, aspects of your sort of understanding of leadership formation that have uh, that have changed in that time. Yeah, so I, th- I think one of the biggest changes for me has been the realizing of the importance of lay leadership formation. Right. We, we tend to concentrate on clergy and that's essential that we have well-formed, well-trained uh, clergy leadership. But we've inherited a model where the priest is viewed as the one who does everything and that model can't survive. And so we need to see ourselves and we, and we talk, we say this, but we need to see it as a partnership. And we say that, but we're not providing equivalent lay leadership formation. And by that, I don't mean turning them into mini priests. I mean, teaching everybody how to work together, right? So when we highlight the ministry of the baptized, I don't mean being a chalicer or reading the lesson or serving as an usher. I mean, really seeing yourself as a follower of Jesus Christ in the outside world. And then in partnership with the clergy of the congregation, how do we work together to help um, be the body of Christ? Mm-hmm. And so that partnership needs to be stronger, I think. And by doing that, we, we have to expand our, our leadership, our, our formation programs for all. And then really help our clergy understand themselves not as the solo priest, but the solo priest or priest um, in community. And the other thing I would emphasize is the importance of clergy seeing themselves as members of a diocese not members of a congregation mm. because our, our clergy colleagues are in the diocese. And so how do we see that that's really um, that the support that we get is not just limited to our own town. Mm. Mm. Um, are there, are there ways that you try to sort of foster that, that um, sort of sense of diocesan clergy collaboration in your diocese? Yeah. So part of what we're doing is we have, Clericus gatherings once a month. So we're, we're four regions of the diocese. Every region has a diocesan canon, uh, a regional canon who responds to me. I mean, is, they're my, um, they're all parish priests, but they, they work on my staff as well. And uh, Clericus has a continuing ed component that's done by everybody. So it's a common continuing ed for all the clergy of the diocese in their Clericus groups. There's a fellowship component and there's a business component. Mm-hmm. And, and to really say, this is part of your work. So clericus, clergy retreat, clergy conference are part of their job. It's part of the hours they put in for work and really trying to be very upfront about that mm. and saying to congregations, this is essential for your well-being of your priest. Mm. Mm. And then having the strong clericus and people coming into the diocese that they encounter a strong clericus and a strong clergy system that, it, that expects people to show up and they want to show up. Mm. Um, people are really finding that life-giving. Yeah. So I had a priest that's been here a couple of years now who said that joining the diocese saved his priesthood 
hmm. because of the, the clergy support system we found here. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Are there ways that you are working to, to foster that sense of clergy lay leadership partnership in your diocese, things that you found helpful in that? Yeah, so we have a couple things. We have what we call gathering days. And there, there are two uh, Saturdays a year for all clergy and all the lay leadership. They gather in their regions. There's a continuing ed component, a strong continuing ed component. And again, fellowship, sharing, sharing of best practices. But we say we need to do that as a group. Hmm. So, And then we have the College for Congregational Development in the diocese. And again, that's clergy lay teams are supposed to come. And we say it's really essentially bring a team. This is a team effort. Nobody does this alone. And then um, the mutual ministry agreements that we have between our priests and our vestries. And to really say it's not about, this is never an evaluation of a person. This is an agreement among the leadership of the congregation about where are we going to work on this next year and how are we going to do that? Mm-hmm. So, and we say that you have to have that agreement. That's, that's essential. Mm-hmm. And then getting it in writing and then holding each other accountable to that. So you can't hold somebody accountable to something they haven't agreed to. Thank you for that. Sure. Um, so, Let's turn our attention now. We're, we're trying in this series in part to uh, just to collect some hopeful stories. So I'm curious, um, among uh, seminarians or recent graduates or new leaders in your diocese, new leaders in whatever um, way that might make sense, um, what are some stories that uh, some stories of new leadership that you're hearing that are, are making you hopeful for the future of the church? Yeah, so, so I think one of the things that's happened, we've had some seminarians um, intern at our church camp, mm. and they have been incredibly bright and dedicated and positive and looking forward to their time in ministry. They're, I'm not hearing the woe is me, the church is dying. You know, I'm hearing this is this is prime opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ and spread the gospel and to do it in new ways. Um, and I'm really excited about seeing them get ordained and flourish. And I've um, had some newly ordained folks that I've met where I thought, you know, that they, there's an excitement level that they bring and, and not a longing for what used to be, mm-hmm. but a recognition that this is the reality of our culture today. And the church has opportunities to do amazing things if we just seize the opportunity. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. I, uh, I want to go back, if we could, to the question please. of... of um, the leadership formation? Yeah, please. Uh, one of the things that I think I would continue to, to hold on as essential is the deep grounding for priesthood of what is a priest and the, the deep grounding in theology and scripture and church history. Hmm. A lot of times you hear, especially priests within their first five years, seminary didn't teach me X. Hmm. And, and X is usually something about plumbing or building. <laughs> Yeah. And that, that goes back to how do we work collaboratively with people who do have that, mm-hmm. right? But if our, if our clergy coming out of seminary or whatever program it is that's being formed, don't know who they are fundamentally in their identity as priests, mm-hmm. and then bring the traditional things that I think are still absolutely essential for, for the church, scripture, mm-hmm. liturgy, theology, history, mm-hmm. um, knowing how to fix the plumbing is not going to help them 
be the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and they need to, to know that reality mm-hmm. that the seminary can't teach them how to collaborate, but if they don't know how to collaborate, they're going to just complain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's true that the seminary can't teach people how to collaborate? So I think you can give people the tools, but I think mm. if you got folks who are not um, ones who want to collaborate in the first place, mm. you can't mm. change your personality. Mm-hmm. I mean, God can change our personality, right? <laughs> but it's so I, I think part of it is helping people see the need, necessity for that, the need to do so, mm-hmm. the ways to do it. And that goes back to really having that, that collaborative, uh, robust lay formation, understanding everybody, understanding themselves as working as one team, as opposed to the priest does this. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times that the diet, they'll go to a congregation and they'll, I'll say, well, how are you planning on growing? And the idea is the priest is going to do it for us. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of, of reforming of all of our members that needs to happen as well. Yeah. But if, yeah. if, if the priest comes out thinking, oh, I have to do it without understanding, no, that's actually not my role. Mm-hmm. But how do I equip people mm-hmm. and collaborate with people? And there's a yeah. problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in, it, it, it's sort of at every level. It's it's about a it's about a culture of collaboration right. rather than you know skills among any one particular person. Am I hearing that right? Right. It's about how do we be the body of Christ? Yeah. Not how does one person embody Christ for everyone else to just mm. say that that they did it for me? Yeah. Oh, that's super helpfully put. Thank you. Um. So. Uh, so with all that in mind, uh, I want to invite you to. Uh, Think, think big here. Uh, this is, um, you know, our sort of imaginative question. Um, if, if you were, if you were asked to design or commission, uh, team teach, if you like, uh, some kind of, uh, some kind of special topics course, um, for today's seminarians, any, any instructor, any topic, uh, this is, this is your chance to, um, create a course out of nothing that, uh, that, that, that has a positive, uh, positive effect. Uh, who would, who would you invite to teach and what would you ask them to teach? There's a whole number of courses I teach, but the one I'm going to give you is this one. I, I would, uh, ask St. Anthony to come back mm. and we would teach a course called facing your demons. Mm. Say more. So St. Anthony of, of, um, went into the desert and uh, the, the, his story is one of him being confronted by demons and what that was and hit what it took for him to go through that and then come out having vanquished the demons. Mm-hmm. And every person, but I would say especially anybody going into the ministry, has what they're going to have is demons, however you want to call that, right? Mm-hmm. The things that challenge you, that tempt you, that confront you, that you will have to face and vanquish. And you can only do that if we look at at how St. Anthony did it. He only did it by the power of God. Mm. And one of the things that I know more and more and more to be true is that I cannot do this work myself. Mm. I can only do this through the power of God. Mm. And I can't face um, the things that challenge and tempt and uh, try to be roadblocks for me by myself. Right. If you could, you already would have. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, so so how do we do that? And then mm-hmm. to really invite people to to 
think about their own personal stories, but also to really reflect on the things that happen in congregations, the things that are happening in our society. How do we face that? How do we um, acknowledge, name them, um, name them as what they are, and um, vanquish them through the power of God? You know, and and maybe um, maybe it's not quite the same as Anthony would, hmm. but his story I think is instructive for us. But I'm curious um, uh, from from your perspective, if if you could, uh, one, one bishop said, "You mean I can wave a magic wand?" And I was like, "Yes, yes, that." Right. <laughs> uh, if you could, if you could wave a magic wand and and sort of implement uh, uh, one change to to how we're how we're training leaders uh, that would that would really make a positive difference for the church. What would that change be? I think part of it. Um, so I haven't been in seminary for a while, so I I can't speak with any personal knowledge about exactly what you're doing. I just only have what I'm been told. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that this is a change. Let me just say that right up front. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I think the church often confuses leadership with position mm. and leadership with authority. Mm. And we get those two things confused. Mm. And we forget that leadership is an activity, not a position. I don't I, I don't say that somebody is a leader. Mm. All right. I would say they exercise leadership. And really looking at what it is to exercise leadership and who's doing it and why there's a challenge the, the, when you're in an institution, uh, most institutions are looking for you to provide safety, right? They want to be safe in what they're doing in terms of their job. They want to know that, that if they, everything's okay. They want to have, um, where are we going? They want direction, right? So what's the vision? What's the mission? Where are we going? Um, they want enough structure to, f- to feel like they're going that way. Mm. And if you provide people with that, they will like you. You'll be happy. They'll, they'll be happy with you. Um, you'll be rewarded. And that's not necessarily leadership. Mm. Right. And, and so the challenge is how are you going to exercise leadership if it makes people feeling uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. All right. If you're saying, actually, no, there is systemic racism in this country when people are angry and quit the church, are you willing to exercise that leadership Hmm. or are you going to just stay in the position you have and exercise the authority you have? Hmm. Hmm. And what would that mean if it means you might lose your job? Hmm. Right. I think if I could wave a magic wand rather than change how we do leadership development, I would change how we pay people. Hmm. Right. Because, I mean, I'm in a diocese that we're in the 10th decile in terms of pay. Hmm. And when your job is tied to how, how well the people can, can give to the church and whether they give to the church might be tied to what you preach hmm. that can help, that can keep people from preaching the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I would totally, if I could wave a magic wand, totally change our system of pay. Hmm. Hmm. I, I think that would do more to, uh, free up our clergy than mm. anything else would. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually, from my perspective, I think a lot of what the seminaries are doing is already really, really good. I think there's an unrealistic expectation mm. that you can come out of seminary and be equipped for the rest of your career. 
which yeah. is absurd. Nobody can do that. Every profession, including the church, requires continuing ed. Yeah. Now, um, we are training generalists. We're not training um, the, the specialty fields. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there again, you can't know everything. I want to follow up. Um, you you said, um, you know, okay, there's a model of exercising authority here. And if you can provide safety structure and a sense of direction, you know, th- there'll be a kind of equilibrium. Are there, um, are there sort of accompanying um, uh, categories? Um, uh, I, I may be fishing and you can say no, but um, um, uh you know, if, if one were to come to those three particular intersections and choose a different way, um, what, what might those ways be? Yeah, so, so I don't think you're choosing a different way, right? You, you need to provide, if you're in an institution and, and anything that survives is going to be an institution, we can, we can knock it or we can be grateful for the institution of the church, which has allowed the church to survive 2,000 years. So it needs to have a direction it's going. It needs to have structures in place to provide the stability to allow us to go. It, it needs to have that sense of, of protection and safety that our people feel like they can do their work and, and be safe in doing so. That's essential. That's, that's proper authority. That's proper positional authority, and you, we need to be providing it. Sometimes, though, we also need to be asking the really the, the questions that – um, invite us into uncertainty, the questions that invite us into discomfort, the questions that say, um, why are we doing this? All right, the that challenge the status quo. And a lot of that is to to invite the ambiguity, I guess it would be one way of really thinking about it, and raise the level of discomfort mm-hmm. and give the work to the people. Right. Folks are as much as we like to pretend that we re- resist authority and we're individualistic and uh, rugged, rugged individual, especially in the West. Right. In many cases, the hard decisions people would often just prefer somebody else make. Hmm. And if you make them in a way that they feel safe and there's a direction and there's a structure, they'll be relatively happy. Hmm. Right. Hmm. And yet, if we can. I mean, one of the things that I've said here is you need to make some of these decisions. This isn't me as bishop telling you what to do. This is me as bishop asking some of the questions you'll need to answer. Mm. That makes people uncomfortable. Mm. Right now. And the person who asks those questions could be anybody in a congregation or a diocese. It doesn't have to be somebody in a position of authority, right? It could be somebody who's, you know, the youngest kid, or the oldest person, right? But not the rector or the senior warden. Mm. And so really understanding that difference between leadership and authority, that a f- positional authority is essential. There are specific tasks that have to happen for the well-being. Mm. But that does not the same thing, you know, as, as really inviting leadership. Mm. That's that's really helpful. Thanks for um, teasing that out a bit more for us. Um, as, we, uh, as we wind down here, I'm just curious... Um, what other advice you might have for uh, for a seminary that is contemplating its uh, its future mission and role, and you know, and grappling with grappling with some of these questions um, ourselves? What, what what advice might you have for us? Yeah, so so I think one of the challenges we have as a church 
is um, we sort of swing back and forth, or I should say as a recent church on what does it mean to be a priest? Mm. And um, my own personal opinion is that priesthood is, is, is more identity than task. Mm. And, and so it can't be broken up. There, and, and I know I'm, I don't agree with everybody in that regard. I mean, others won't agree with me in that regard. But I can teach somebody how to say the Mass mm-hmm. in an afternoon. That doesn't make them a priest, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Um, I think really focusing on the deep essentials, being a person of deep prayer. Being a person of deep prayer is the only way you're going to survive this call, mm-hmm. right? Um, as much scripture as you can possibly get. It's essential. Mm-hmm. Right? Really understanding the liturgy. Why do we do the things we do? And why do we not say, oh, that was a cool thing I saw on television. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. Right? Because if you, so so an example, right now during COVID, we're, we're online. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've been saying is, if all we're doing is reproducing online what we do on our congregations on Sunday, we're not thinking about our liturgy. Right. We're, all we're doing is in some ways parroting yeah. um, back what the prayer book says. Mm-hmm. What, what is deeper level is, is the liturgy we need to be offering for this medium. Mm. And, and having the ability to really think that way mm. and then to ask and, and, and to face the theological question. Mm. You know, how do we understand the, the theological threat of totalitarianism? What's mm. the theological threat? of fascism, hmm. right? What does it look like in what's a, what's the threat to the body of Christ that our political parties have catechized better than we have, hmm. right? And so there's so much that I think the seminaries are, are pushed to teach this, teach this latest thing hmm. that is not necessarily what is going to keep that person in their priesthood hmm. for the rest of their life. And, and so how do we, how does, would the seminary engage in the partnerships for, okay, we're going to give you this when you're here. And then there's going to be continuing education. And it might not be through the seminary. Mm-hmm. Right? We, we might help you with that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, it's a lifelong thing, really instilling in people that it's a lifelong thing. And unfortunately, right now, we're in a time when education is being devalued across the country. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm seeing, and I worry that I'm seeing that in the church. Mm-hmm. And a well-formed, well-educated clergy, I think, is essential for the health of the church. Mm-hmm. So I, I, would, I would just urge you not to just go with the next new thing mm-hmm. um, unless it is, somehow goes deeper into what we're already trying to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a, deepening, a deepening of that tradition of... Right. Of priesthood, of of ministry of the baptized, et cetera. Right. Um, right. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think if our laity could understand better what a priest is, you know, mm. versus the role of the rector, that would be mm. helpful. Mm. Right. And if the, the priest could understand better what our laity are versus just somebody in the pew, that would be helpful. Mm. Right. But it's also not, I mean, we, we have asked as a church that our laity step up and do more at the exact same time. The, the culture itself is doing that. You know, I, I think back to when I was a kid and my mom was active with the Episcopal Church women and my dad was on vestry and there wasn't the amount of outreach 
going on at the church that is there now. There wasn't the number of Bible study courses or adult formation courses. And most of the women didn't work outside the home. So they did the fundraisers. They, they did a lot of that stuff that um, there aren't the people to do that right now during the day. And the church is asking people to step up and do more. Mm. We need to have a serious conversation, I think, about that reality. Mm. You can't just say it's the ministry of the baptized. Now you step up and do it yeah. when they're going, we are stretched thin. Mm-hmm. We will do whatever we can. Right. And so how do we really then teach people that it's about being followers of Jesus Christ in your everyday life. Yeah. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means you say no to a particular way of serving in, the, in your congregation because you don't have the time yeah. and that's okay. Mm-hmm. We've got to make sure that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, that's, that goes back to that partnership and being the body of Christ. Well, Bishop Greenberg, you've given us a lot to think about. Really uh, appreciate your time and your insight. My pleasure. Thank you, Kyle. Crossings Conversations is a co-production of Church Divinity School of the Pacific and Trinity Church Wall Street. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or share it with a colleague. You can learn more about the only Episcopal seminary on the West Coast and subscribe to Crossings Magazine at cdsp.edu.